0: It's really good to be with you and it's, it's really good to see you. It's good to to get out, to spend some time together, to be able to be uh, a family and to be able to interact with one another. Thank you for those of you who are here in the room. Uh, here's what I've learned is that for many of you and people throughout this season of life, they've said, I have to get out. I need to be around somebody because there's a lot of isolation, a lot of going on. And so just to be able to be in this room and and to tolerate the presence of a mask is a big deal. So thank you for that. Um, It's really good to see you and to be with you this morning. And likewise for our online family, uh, very grateful for you. And and this morning, I want to begin, I want to take a little bit of a a personal liberty before we we jump into the scripture. You see, one of the things that this season of life has taught all of us is that uh, beyond anything else, People need a lot of mercy, a lot of grace, and a lot of love. Here's the thing. I I don't know what you personally are walking through today, uh, but I have encountered a lot of people during this season of life um, who are struggling. Uh, as a pastor, and more importantly, as a, as a person. I, I've dealt with a lot of individuals who are, who are dealing with a lot of anxiety, uh, a lot of discouragement. Um, and then I've met some other people who they're really just doing fine during this. So I, I don't know where um, you are in the spectrum of life right now. Maybe maybe things are just normal for you. But there are a lot of people Where it's not normal for them. And there's a lot of things that are going on. And here's what I want you to see this morning. You just don't know what it is that someone else may be battling deeply, personally, and internally. So I want to give you a personal word this morning. I have discovered this. It's the little things that can make the greatest difference in the lives of the people that you're encountering right now. And some of the littlest things can be um, that smile, a word of encouragement, a word of hope, understanding, some peace, um, even letting someone know, I love you. Passing along to those people around you genuinely that you love them, that you are with them, that you support them. Um, Being human right now is very important. And I want to pass that along because as I've met with some people, many of you my friends, talk with others. And just the privilege of, of being your friend and your pastor during this season of life for many of you um, who have visited with me, who I know personally. And for those of you that I just don't know, what I have discovered is this season of life ha- has shown each of us we do need each other. We need hope. We need compassion. We need a lot of grace and if we will show that to one another, the, the, the hope of Jesus, the life of Jesus, if we will show that to the people around us, not knowing what they're going through, but giving them a good word, a smile, some encouragement, if we will do that, then we are going to move past this, regardless of how long it may linger, the season of life, because it's perhaps gone on longer than any of us would have thought. But we will move through it if we will be human and show Love and the love of Christ to those around us. Let me encourage you to make sure that you're bringing compassion, grace, mercy, hope, kindness to those around you. And you'll see why as we look at the book of 1 Peter. Because as we've gone through this study, 1 Peter chapter 3 is where we're going to pick up today. Verse 13. It's where we left off last week. So I want to encourage you to get your Bibles ready. For those of you who are in our online family today, the words will be there on the screen for you. And you're going to see why what I just said matters. And you're going to see that everybody needs hope. We sang about hope. And we sang about God's amazing grace. Everybody needs God's grace. Especially in times where things are not working out. Going according to plan. Where they're hard and difficult. We need grace. We need mercy. And we need compassion from people. And specifically from the people that love us and that we love. We need that. But even to strangers, even to people who may be distant, that grace and that hope means a lot. So be human in this season. Pass that along because that may be the very thing that someone needs to move them forward through this season of life. And you just never know what they're battling, but stand with them. Give them a smile. Give them a good word. Be human and show a lot of grace and watch what God will do. And now let's stand together in honor of God's word. 1 Peter chapter 3. I want to read this with you. This passage where we pick up from last week, um, we see the power of hope today. What it means to have hope. And and today I want to talk about the hope that is in you. The hope that is in you. Because in us we have hope. And this is what the Bible says. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 13 Who is there to harm you? I mean, what a great way to start this this morning, this passage. Who is there to harm you? What really can harm you? Who really can harm you? What really can come against you? Who is there? What is there that can harm you? If you prove zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer. Is anyone suffering? Do you know anyone that's going through any suffering right now? Even if in the midst of your suffering, you are suffering, even for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Sometimes we don't feel blessed in the midst of our suffering. But but Simon Peter knew something that said, you're blessed even in the midst of your suffering. Do not fear. Do not fear their intimidation. And do not be troubled. For you suffer for righteousness, you're blessed. Don't fear, don't be intimidated, don't be troubled. How? Set apart or sanctify Christ as Lord in your heart. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for what? And here it is. To give an account for the hope that is in you. Yet with gentleness and reverence and keep a good conscience so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better if God should will it so that you suffer for doing what is right rather than doing what is wrong. For Christ, he also died for sins once for all. And he died for the just and for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. In which also he went and he made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who were once disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting. Like in the days of Noah, during the construction of the ark in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. And corresponding to that, baptism, it now saves you. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who is at the right hand of God? Having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. This passage is as Simon Peter pins these words in his generation to believers in Christ. Various trials they were facing scattered across the known world of that day. He writes this. And what I love about this letter that we have dove into, that we have looked at deeply this summer, is that he emphasizes Jesus. In the midst of trials, regardless of what they look like, in the midst of a world, regardless where you live and what you go through, he talks about the hope that is in you the hope that is in you not a not a distant hope that is out there not a feeling no there's something that is an anchor within you the hope that is in you and that hope is Jesus so today that's what we're going to talk about the hope Jesus that lives in you. Can we pray together? Father now. Now would you do what. We cannot do. And that is. Would you open up our hearts. Genuinely. Because. We have barriers. We have obstacles. We have our humanity. We have a lot of things. That would get in the way. Of us encountering you. We don't want that right now. God. We, we need you. And so by your spirit. Speak. and Reveal to us. The power of hope. The power of hope. That is in us. Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hope. Now, in this season of life, we've talked about hope. And yet it's not one of those things that you can talk about once and get it and just move on. Um, I have discovered that each and every day, each and every week, each and every season, I need to be reminded of hope. I mean, there was hope in the beginning when when we started this series and this season of life and these changes and 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 perhaps there was a hope that this will last a couple of weeks, right? Um, or or maybe this will last a couple of months. Maybe the difficulties and the challenges that you're going through, um, maybe maybe it's been five months. It'll be six months. Maybe this goes on for months and months more. And if. Your hope is in this world and your hope is in, well, it's going to pass. Um, Boy, problems continue to linger. Answers don't seem to come as quickly as we would like. Plans continue to change. And in our humanity, because we cling to those things and they are meaningful to us. If we hold on and we get our hope from what's going to happen in this world, then that hope is frail. Think about where we get our identity from in these days and how quickly those things have changed. Um, There's a reality that that for most people, Christian and unchristian, those who believe in Jesus and those who don't. There's a reality that there are things in this world that people put their hope in. Money is one of them. So there's this reality that in this season of life, if you look at it, some people have made a lot of money. Now, that may not be you. So, so before you throw a stone and, I, and you're struggling, we'll get there in a second. But there are some people who have continued not only to make money, but they've made more money. But yet, this season of life shows us that the hope that we really long for is not in the accumulation of money or riches. Because there are a lot of people who are making a lot of money, but they have no real hope. Their hope is in this world. And the reality is that there are a lot more people who in this, in this world right now ha- have lost money. They're not making as much money and, and their hope is in money. Money comes, money goes. Yeah, it's, it's good to have it if you have it. But if that's your hope, you can have all the money. But if you don't have what you really long for, it really means nothing to you. Or if your identity was in the money and you lose it or you've lost it, then you will lose hope. That's what happens when you place your hope in that. What about, what about your job? The reality is that a lot of people put their identity in their job. What's your title? What's your work for? What's your company? Um, what you believe in related to your work. And therefore, we hide ourselves as people in those titles, in those jobs, in the things that we do. And, and by the way, life is to be spent working. It is. We should each have jobs. We should each be doing something productive. It's the way we were designed and created but even beyond that, if our identity and our hope is in that, think about what you read and what we see. Not only in our state, in our nation, but in our world. People are losing jobs. And when your hope is in your job and your future is in your job, you will lose hope. Think about the people that that you place hope in. Uh, you place hope perhaps um, in and maybe you're a favorite politician or, or maybe it's a relationship. I mean, maybe it's somebody and, and therefore you want to live through them. And that's your hope. Um, and yet, maybe those things begin to change. We see a lot of that happening right now in people's lives. We see that. Where's your hope? Simon Peter, when he pins this, he was wise enough to be a human that had walked with Jesus through some very victorious moments of faith and some very real moments of failure. And I think that that's very important for you and I to understand the hope that is within us because the the truth is the images that we will put forward are always images where we want people to see the best in us and we want people to see the victorious side of us and we want the image to be one that is beyond anything of brokenness and weakness and, and, and frailty. But... But the reality is in times like these, all of the things that are not of substance begin to fall away. What truly is meaningful begins to come to the surface. And the reality is the things that we hope in that are of this world are letting us down. And therefore, as a child of a heavenly father, there is a greater hope that we must cling to. And Simon Peter knew that and he penned these words... And therefore, I I write today and I give you this life lesson that begins, if you'll notice this through this series, the first word each week that I have delivered to you through this series and this study and this book, Jesus. Today, we're going to talk about Jesus, because when you think about the hope that is in you, It begins with Jesus. And so here's the life lesson. If you're writing it down, if you're taking notes, for those of you in our online family, it will be there for you to see. And I know this is one of those moments. So here it is. This is one of those moments in time where we have to grasp the substance of who we are and who he is. Jesus. Jesus living within us is our only hope in this fallen world. Jesus living within us is our only hope in this fallen world. It is Jesus living within us that as children of God saved by faith and his wonderful, marvelous grace, it is Jesus that lives within us that gives us hope in this fallen world. And he is our only hope. And in this generation, that's what we see. That Jesus is our hope. In this passage, uh, there are some things that stand out about Jesus that are powerful. And so I want to share them with you because when I think about hope and I think about this world, uh, it's really challenged. So I have to go somewhere deeper. And as a follower of Christ, as a believer in Christ, I have to go to where hope is truly found. And I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I want to remind you of this again. The reality is that heaven is the easy part. It really is. Heaven's the easy part. Why? Because God in His infinite grace, in His amazing love for us, He sent Jesus. And He sent Jesus to cover over our wretchedness and our brokenness and our sinfulness. And genuinely, for anybody who by faith, from their heart, would say, yes, Jesus, would you please save me from my sins, cleanse my soul. I believe in you as the Son of God. That salvation is amazingly simple and amazingly applied to us as people where we don't deserve it. And therefore, if you mean that and you pray that and you believe that and you grasp that, regardless of where you come from and regardless of what you've gone through, if you cling to that, your soul is secure for heaven. You have a place that you're going that is amazing and it's not like this world. And that's the easy part. But this is not. This is not the easy part. Getting there is the easy part. Like, you believe in Jesus, heaven's home. That's. But between now and then, you have to have hope. And Jesus is our hope. Here's what Jesus is. When I look at this passage, I understand some things that Simon Peter writes. And I understand them in light of... Our humanity and our struggles in this season of life and what people genuinely need. They need hope. They need love. They need grace. And so therefore, the first thing that I see about Jesus is Jesus is our defense. Jesus is our defense. Defense. He is our defender. If you, as a faith child of God in Jesus and what He's done on the cross and what He did by resurrecting from the grave, if you've claimed His name over your soul and over your heart, listen, He is your defense. He is your defender. He is all about being your advocate and he is on your side no matter what. Now, now, now think about the world that we live in right now and think about perhaps what you're going through and what you're facing and processing and if it's not you, then think about your friends or those you love authentically and genuinely. Your family, other people, and what they're walking. Think about them for a minute. You know, they are walking through, people are walking through great seasons of challenge. And to help them, a reminder, and encouragement, a hopeful word is necessary. And remembering As a Christian, as a follower of Christ, that Jesus is your defender. And when someone else needs to know Jesus is their defense in what they're going through, that's going to bring hope. Here's what Peter writes in these things. He writes, who is there to harm you? What is there to harm you? What really can come against you as a follower of Jesus? Genuinely. Let's play this out. Worst case scenario for you as a follower of Jesus, what can harm you? Now think about it for just a minute because we're living in a, in a, in a weird world. So um, I'll lose my job. A lot of people are dealing with that. You're walking through that. Many of you right now, I'll have no money. A lot of people are dealing with that. A lot of people are walking through that. Um, I'll, I'll get sick. Um, you know, I'll catch the virus. Yeah, a lot of people are dealing with that and a lot of people are trying to protect and stuff. Um, don't be like, by the way, some of the articles I've read about like some college students in some places where they're throwing parties, by the way, to see who can get the virus first, right? Like that's not wise. I, I wouldn't suggest doing that. You know, it's, it's funny because i read that article and I'm like, what? Um, but even play that out forward. Worst case scenario, you um, You get sick. When it comes to your relationship with Jesus, who can harm you? What can really harm you? What can really be taken away from you as a child of God in Christ Jesus? It reminds me of Romans chapter 8 where it says, What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Can can famine, can destruction, can death, can peril, can a sword, can principalities and angels and demons and death. What could separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Nothing. Not one thing. So therefore, to remember the cause of hope for you and I as followers of Jesus and the cause of hope for all of us as we interact with people It's not how strong we are, how much money we have. Um, It's not our jobs and the identities and the things that we vicariously try to live through. The defense is Jesus and there is nothing that can harm you. I mean, he goes on and writes, Simon Peter goes on and writes and says, listen, um, don't fear. The greatest part of the pandemic of our souls is fear. That's The greatest challenge. It's not a sickness. It's not a loss. It's fear. Fear has been present in humanity since the beginning of time. I mean, we've had world leaders that have said there is nothing to fear but fear itself. There's a reality that fear is what wages the war against our hope, against our peace, against our soul. And a lot of what is driven today, you will even see, see, is fear-based. How you respond. How you don't respond. How you react. Whether or not you did react. A lot of what is driven against you as a person, regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you have or don't have, it's driven by fear. And fear is not something that is made up by a person. Fear is something that is driven spiritually. Fear is something that is created internally. Fear is a weapon to be used against you as a human being. But it's not something that comes merely from other human beings. It's a spiritual force that will wage war against your mind, against your heart, against your emotions, and against your soul. And therefore, we need to know that if we are going to battle fear and when the Bible from the beginning to the end constantly reminds children of God, do not fear. If we're going to remember that and we're going to stand against fear, we need to know that we have a defense. And Jesus is our defense. Jesus is our defender. Simon Peter wrote that. Do not fear. Do not be intimidated. Do not be Intimidated. Think about the motive of a lot of things that you're reading about, seeing, maybe even feeling. Intimidation. It's not about intimidation. It's about the hope that is in you. And do not be troubled. Do not be troubled. Think of the things that cause our souls, our minds, our emotions trouble right now. I mean, we will spend a lot of energy, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. We'll spend a lot of times. Being troubled about things. And in that, you'll find no relief for your anxiety or your discouragement. No, you need a word of hope. I need a word of hope. Everyone needs a word of hope. And the way you overcome troubles is to know that there is someone else who is battling on your behalf to defend you, to protect you. To cover you and to see you through whatever it is you're facing even now. And Simon Peter writes that. And so as he gets to this point and he says, okay, fear, don't do it. Don't be troubled. Don't be intimidated. There's nothing that can harm you. That sounds really good. But how? Jesus is our defender, but how? And then he writes, sanctify Christ as lord in your heart sanctify christ as lord in your heart now now listen sanctify christ we we go what does sanctify mean set apart make a conscious decision very deliberately and intentionally choose to put christ in charge of your heart sanctify set apart choose make christ the focus of your heart and if you make Christ the focus of your heart then you will have a defense you will be able to make a defense of what the hope that is in you as you choose Christ you set him up in your life and I choose you You, Jesus, then become, you, Jesus, are my defender. And listen, that's powerful. Because he is your defense when you're emotionally fragmented. He is your defense when you physically have made decisions that are not the wisest, the best, and they are harmful. He is your defense when things are not going according to your plan. He is your defense when you don't feel like it. He is your defense when your world is caving in. He is your defense in all seasons of your life. Jesus is that. And it all comes from this moment where I sanctify, I set apart, I choose Jesus. You are my defender. You are the one that sits in the throne room of my heart you're my my leader i will follow you you're my king you're my savior you are the lover of my soul and therefore i choose to let you be my defense my defender my protector against harm against intimidation against fear against anything that would come against me i am defended by you and therefore When you go through a moment and you're human and you want the best you to be out there, you want the best of you to be seen, and and maybe even you're one of those people who, by the way, who wants to give this perfect charismatic Christian image to everyone else, but you know that's not really what's going on. Your defense is not how good you are, your defense is not how much you have it together. Your defense is not trying to trick people that you have been a perfect Christian your whole life. Your defense is Jesus, and that's it. Your defense is Jesus. Your claim to fame is Jesus, and that's it. He can even see through our pride. He can see who we really are. So choose Him. Sanctify Him in the throne room of your heart. And therefore, then hope begins to flow through whatever circumstance Because Jesus is your defender. Simon Peter knew that because Simon Peter had moments of great challenge, great failure. And Jesus snatched him up out of that. Jesus rescued him out of that. Jesus held on to him in the midst of that. He knew Jesus was his defender. And I need that. You need that. We need that. Everybody needs that. Hope. And that's where hope comes from. A living hope in a fallen world. Number two, Jesus is not only our defense. Jesus is our justice. Jesus is our justice. Now there's a lot that's been said and a lot of talk about justice. Um, We see a lot of that going on in our world, a lot of conversations uh, about what justice looks like. But I, I think if we all back up for just a minute and we were to look at our world fairly, there is no justice in this world. This is not, by the way, a a, a local problem or a Louisiana problem that we hear about or or a national problem. This is a worldwide problem. By the way, we're not good enough to just say it's a 2020 problem or a a, a 2016 problem or a 2010 problem or a 2000 problem or a 1500s problem or a 1000 problem. Even Jesus, when he was on this earth, was a victim of injustice. Oh, and by the way, just keep backing it up to the beginning of time. There's this event that happens that Scripture records. It doesn't matter how you look at it. There's an event that happens that Scripture talks about that all things were good until humanity chose to rebel against God. And when humanity chose to do that, back to the very beginning of Scripture, injustice entered the world and it ran away. Rampant. Now here's the thing that's interesting about justice. This is very interesting. We as people, we want justice for ourselves. We want it right for us and neutralize anything negative against us, anything that would discredit us, anything that would challenge us. We as people, regardless of where you come from, where you were born, of which you have no control over, by the way, we want justice for ourselves, but we don't really want it for other people. When you think about it, like, please be merciful to me, but that person needs to pay. Is that justice? Is that fair? Please change things for me and and let things pass from me, but definitely put it on that group of people or that person. Now, they deserve it. Now, that doesn't seem like justice. and. Quite frankly, it's not. There's a reality that if you want to look fairly at humanity from the beginning of time, the devil has been playing a game that he's really good at. From the beginning of time, none of us deserve justice. None of us. There's not one person that deserves authentic, genuine justice. Everybody that you will ever meet has failed in some capacity of being human, of being moral, of being ethical, of being kind, of being good, of being faithful, of being just. except Jesus. And the Bible tells us something right here that is beautiful. And when you want to think about hope, and you want to think about jesus the hope that is in you and how jesus living inside of you and me and us as believers jesus living in us is our only hope in a fallen world here's the thing and simon peter writes this jesus died one time once for all and he died for the just And the unjust. He died for those who deserve it and those who don't, which, by the way, none of us do. And Jesus died for all, once for all. And listen, the Bible tells us that as Christ did that, he died for sins. For the just, the unjust, just, he did that so that he could bring us to God. He did that so that in our souls, in our lives, we could be cleansed as unjust, sinful, fallen human people. With real desires, real failures, real victories, real good, real bad. All of it together, bundled up inside of who we are. In all of that, Jesus could do something within us and cleanse us and make us acceptable where he could present us in all of our humanity. Fallenness, frailty, and all things that are created in his image that are sometimes twisted. All of those things, Jesus could do such a work inside of us. Where we would be justified. Not of our own works and goodness. And not held against us by our affairs. We could be made justified. To be presented to God. Because Jesus would become. Our justice. Now let's be real. I don't deserve that kind of mercy. You don't deserve that kind of grace. None of us are just and that goes for those of us here locally nationally throughout north america throughout europe and throughout the entire world there's not one just individual except christ and that jesus is the one who when he comes into our hearts when we set him apart as Lord in our hearts, when we believe in him by faith, the easy part, the cleansing, the easy part, when we do that, he declares you just. You are justified. You are cleansed. You are his child. And you and I didn't deserve it. We couldn't do anything to earn it. It's not something that we could fight for, or raise enough money and convince other people that we deserve to be the ones who are better than everybody else, who deserve more than everybody. No, it just won't ever, ever work that way. Why? Because it's a fallen world and we're human. Therefore, hope comes from somewhere else. Hope comes from your, mine, our relationship. To the Son of God who is just. And the justifier of our souls. Jesus is our justice. Jesus is the one who cleanses us. And through that, he is the one who then changes how we respond in this world to others. He is the one that helps us. Along the way in our humanity, our frailty, try to do it our way. He is our defense, and he is our justice in our relationship with God. Therefore, we can give a reason for the hope that is in us, even in our world today. There's one final thing that I would point out, and that is in the last few verses... Simon Peter emphasizes that Christ is our defense, Jesus is our justice, but the last thing is Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our peace. There's not a lot of peace in the world today. Um, Not only out there in the world, but in here in the world. (laughs) In the personal world. In your personal world, there's a lot of people that are dealing with challenges and struggles related to peace. Peace. And there are many... It's not just a a pandemic that's happening. And it's not just political things that are happening. No, it's life. You're dealing with life anyways. And so there's not always a lot of peace. Choices you have to make. Emotions that you're dealing with. Things that you have to work through that are just part of the world that you live in. And who you are and where you're coming from. And in the midst of that, we need peace. Jesus is our peace. And in this passage, as Simon Peter writes, it's interesting because he he talks about this moment where God in his patience kept being kind to people who would reject him. God was patient over and over again. And he mentions this scenario about Noah, right? And if you've read the Bible, you know Noah in the Old Testament that That there's this story about where God flooded the world and eight people survived. Eight. But as much as that might blow your mind, and and perhaps, you know, in the modern world, you might go, that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't. There's no way. Okay, like, that's. You can go your own way. That's cool. But here's the thing. As much as that might blow your mind, here's what would blow my mind even more so. Not that. Eight people survived, potentially a catastrophic world event, and only eight people survived, and therefore we're still here today. Wow, I and mean, that's pretty impressive. What? But what blow my mind even more is that God would be so merciful, kind, loving and patient that the rest would reject. And yet he would start it over again and would still extend mercy. And he would send a Savior to rescue wretched people if they would just turn to him. That he would turn around and be so kind and benevolent and patient and gracious to offer us still the opportunity to be at peace with him. You see, peace is not of this world. Peace is found in your relationship with Christ. And your hope is centered in a peace that only Jesus can give, where Jesus can cleanse your soul. And that's why Peter then shifts out of this story of Noah into this framing of baptism. And he says, corresponding to this story about Noah, let me tell you about water. What a great analogy. This flood that cleansed the world. Let me show you what baptism means. And baptism is this flood of God's grace personally towards you. That is a picture of the cleansing of your soul. He makes a beautiful connection there from the Old Testament to the New Testament picture of baptism. And he says, now baptism saves you. Now let let me, let me spell this out really quickly for you. Because there are whole denominations that are built on one verse right here. And think, you're not saved and you're not going to heaven if you haven't been baptized. That is a wrong interpretation and misunderstanding of this verse. Why? Because Peter keeps writing. He says, I'm not talking about a bath. I'm not talking about the removal of dirt and and this feeling of cleansing over your life. No, I'm talking about what Jesus does for you when you receive him into your life. Just as Jesus, and Simon Peter writes this, this appeal to God for a clean soul a good conscience it happens through the resurrection of Jesus Christ in other words Jesus like you and I lived and the story of scripture tells us that he died he was crucified but what makes him unlike anyone else that we could ever place our hope and our peace and our life and our trust in is that he rose from the grave everybody dies everybody But only one man snatches his life back up from the grave. Jesus resurrected from the dead to prove that he was the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. The author of life and the overcomer of all things death. He is that one. and Therefore, you as an individual who places sanctifying Christ as Lord in your heart. You as an individual who places your faith in him. You, the person that you are without Christ, is buried. The moment that you choose to place your faith in Christ, the person that you were as an unbeliever, separated from God, running from his patience, turning away from him in your own way, you now are no more that person. You are now a new person resurrected in a relationship with Jesus through faith. You are gone And you are now alive. And baptism is an expression toward God. That's who I am now. So Simon Peter is not giving this, you got to be baptized to be saved. No, what he's saying is, you have an expression toward God that you are at peace Because you have brought into your life the one who died and was resurrected for you. And you no longer are the person without Christ. You are now a new creation. A new person. And you are at peace with God. And he goes on and he says in the last verse, verse 22. Jesus... He put in subjection to himself. This is how powerful your peace with God is. This is how secure your peace with God is. This is how strong your hope in Christ is and your relationship with Jesus is. The Bible tells us that he then put in subjection to himself. Angels, authorities, all powers to himself. He took over all authority and any claim to your life, your soul and mind. He laid claim to you. He is that strong. He is that mighty. And there is nothing that can snatch you from the hand of God. There is nothing that can destroy your peace between you and God. And yes, in this world, we will face troubles and we will have challenges. And you might be walking through them right now. But you have hope a living hope because Jesus has brought you through his death and his resurrection to peace with God. Jesus has become your justifier and you are just and justified in your walk with God and Jesus has become your defender. There is no harm. Even in worst case scenario, you go home to heaven Forever. And yes. You know in this world there are a lot of thoughts. A lot of conspiracy theories. If you would put all aside. All the conspiracy theories. And all the talks and stuff. And you would look instead to Jesus. You would see. That when Jesus is ready to roll up the carpet on this deal. He will. When he's ready. When it's his time. But he said something when he was here. He said. Um, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now. Now. Listen, in this generation, some people think, oh, yeah, this pandemic and the government and the world leaders and all that, they're getting ready to shut down the church. I, they're not that good. They're not. Hey, and now listen, the buildings may look different, right? Gatherings may look different. Persecution may, a lot of things. You just don't know. But Jesus even said in his day, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Was he talking about a building? No, he was talking about you. He was talking about believers who trust in Him. He was talking about those who believe in Christ. The gates of hell cannot prevail against you. Oh, and by the way, in the Bible, there's this book called Revelation. And in the book of Revelation, which some people would take right now and go, Oh, we're in the end times, and and et cetera, et cetera. I don't know, but what I do know is Revelation very clearly says, When God says it's done, it's done. When God says, I'm I'm ready, and those who believe in me come home, and those who don't... uh, I'll stop. The reality of that is, you're sitting here today and you're listening to me right now, and he's not there. He hadn't rolled it up and called us home. No, no, why? 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 Because he's God and he's given us in great patience the opportunity to bring hope to this world, to live in hope because he's made us at peace. He is our defender, right? He is the one who is our justice. And there is no hope in this world except for Jesus living inside of us. And so guess what? You sit in here today, you listen online, and everybody around you, as we continue to walk through this season of life, we all need hope. So be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within you because it is Christ who's rescued you, justified you, saved you, and cleanse your soul. He is our living hope. Can we pray together? Father, I just thank you for everyone today and I, I ask even now that it will be the peace of Christ that rules in our hearts. God, I pray that even now for things that uh, may be haunting our souls, that you will be Jesus the justifier, our justice before God. God, I, I know that there are battles raging around each of us. Some of them are battles that we see and know. Some of them are spiritual and we just don't get them. Jesus, would you be our defender? And Jesus, in this world, while we face trouble, would you remind us, you living inside, of people who are humble enough to trust you as their savior by faith and grace you are our hope in this fallen world so i pray for those who are believers today and i pray for my friends who are yet to be believers in you i pray that supernaturally and spiritually beyond our humanity you would speak hope love life and your great salvation of peace to our souls it is in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. So today you you may be in this room or perhaps you're in our online family and for those of you